when a humble bard graced a ride along with, now we don't have a name for the character, along came this song. He came after me with masterful deceit. I'm messing up the words, but it doesn't matter to me. Toss a coin to your hunter, O Valley of Plenty, O Valley of Plenty. Blood Hunters on Basements and Lizards. We're talking about Blood Hunters on O Valley of Plenty. Alright, Gabe. Hi, Ryan. So, what are we talking about this week? We are talking about Matthew Mercer's Blood Hunter. This is not a, not a technically a legit class. What are we doing here? <laughs> uh, I don't know what we're doing here. We decided that it would be fun to talk about uh, some of the Matthew Mercer some of the Matthew Mercer classes as well. Yeah. Also, it made the uh, it made our our initial list uh, into an even number. So that that's also part of it. <laughs> yeah, that too. Uh, but yeah. Um, so, uh, what is a blood hunter? Uh, a blood hunter is like <sighs> there can be a lot of things. Basically, it it is it is very similar to you know, like witchers or whatever. Um, uh, kind of like this aspect that you have to become a bit of a monster to, to fight monsters. Um, it says, like, mm-hmm. literally right on the page, it just says, monster to fight monsters. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, it, it, they're all about kind of, they're kind of this, like, a little bit of a ranger, kind of, um, in the sense that they're, like, you know, they're sort of designed to track down a foe and take them down. Um, mm-hmm. they're much more driven, I guess. They're much more single-minded. They're not about, like, protecting the wilds. They're just, yeah, I'm killing this monster. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we- I sort of envisioned the closest thing to a blood hunter in the standard, like, in the standard PHB would be a uh, monster slayer ranger. Yeah. Like, I, I think if you, if you're playing you're playing a monster slayer ranger like if you weren't like willing to take the dive into blood hunter which it's a very fun class i've seen it played i've never played it before but it's i've read it i've seen it played it seems like a fun time but it is Mm -hmm. it is complicated it's not like a you know you gotta put a little effort into it (laughs) um yeah oh yeah definitely yeah if you're not willing to do that you probably are just gonna be you probably should just stick with the monster hunter uh, monster Slayer, rather, Ranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. All right, and with that, I guess let's get into some of the level one. What are we getting? Yeah. Uh, class yeah. features as a Blood Hunter, you have D10 hit dice. So again, you're sort of like like 
right alongside that ranger. Um, proficiencies in light, light armor, medium armor, and shields, simple weapons, martial weapons, alchemist supplies, and saving throws in dexterity and intelligence. Then uh, the skills that you get, uh, you can choose three from athletics, acrobatics, arcana, history, insight, investigation, religion, and survival. And your starting equipment amounts to a martial weapon or two simple weapons, a light crossbow or a hand crossbow, studded leather or scale mail armor, and an explorer's pack. Nice. Yeah. The other thing, so, the first feature you're getting at is uh, at first level, which is a, a bit minor feature, um, it, which is it's interesting because it's a minor feature, but it tells you a lot about the character. Being at first level, you've survived mm -hmm. the Hunter's Bane, a dangerous, long-guarded ritual that alters your life's blood, forever binding you to the darkness that ho and honing your senses against it. <laughs> Bonus! Um, uh, you have advantage on wisdom survival checks to track fey feeds or undead, as well as intelligence ability checks uh, to recall information about them. Um, and then it also it also uh, tells you that the Hunter's Bane is a powers your body to control and shape hemocraft magic, using your own blood and life to essence to fuel your abilities. Some of your features require your target to make a saving throw to resist the feature's effects. The saving throw is calculated as below. Uh, it's 8 plus your proficiency bonus plus your uh, intelligence modifier. So, an intelligence mm -hmm. caster, sort of? <laughs> yeah, it it's weird, since some of the earlier versions of the Blood Hunter were wisdom casters, sort of going along with the whole being sort of an offshoot of the Ranger. Now being an intelligence caster, I'm not sure if it fits more or if it I like fits it, less. I like it more. I like them. I like it. Um, they're not. You know, you can still. You're probably. You're still getting advantage on survival checks. You're probably gonna have a decent wisdom score and a decent intelligence. Obviously, you want a decent intelligence score, but I like mm -hmm. that they're because this is specifically for their magic. I like that their magic is yeah. specifically you had to learn how to do this. Like you didn't, like it's not just mm -hmm. like you know something that nature gives you. It's like because you're an abomination. Nature's not going to give you shit. Um, <laughs> very true. Uh, you you got to learn this art, like sort of weird, like offshoot of arcane magic. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, yeah, and earlier, like earlier on in the description of the Blood Hunter, it talks about their magic being very esoteric, being like very old, forgotten, forbidden. So yeah, in that sense, it to me it does make sense that it's an intelligence-based thing. It's mm -hmm. like you're here to try to out like your spells are based on what you have like what little bits of strange forbidden knowledge you've cobbled together. Yeah, you're going to want a good wisdom, like a decent wisdom still, because you're obviously, you're going through, you got to, you know, be able to track, you got to be able to, you know, survive a little in the woods and whatnot. Um, but I like the the intelligence tie in here. Mm -hmm. It also makes for an interesting character. Characters with high intelligence are uh, fun because you can't, your intelligence might not necessarily be book smarts or whatever, but that's to play around mm -hmm. with that. But what's yeah. the other ability we get at uh, first level? Well, at first level, we also get Blood Maledict. Uh, at first level, you gain the ability to channel and sometimes sacrifice a part of your vital essence to curse and manipulate creatures through hemocraft magic. Uh, you gain one blood curse of your choice detailed in the blood curses section at the end of this class description. Uh, 
you learn one additional blood curse of your choice, and you can choose to also replace one that you know at levels 6, 10, 14, and 18. Uh, when you use your blood maledic, you choose which curse to invoke while invoking a blood curse, uh, but before it affects the target, you can choose to amplify the curse by losing a number of hit points equal to one roll of your Hemocraft die, as shown in the Hemocraft die column of the Bloodhunter table. So basically, the more like the higher your Hemocraft die, the more damage you're going to end up doing to yourself if you choose to amplify. But it also has some other effects that take place further down in the Bloodhunter table. Yeah. But then, an important thing to note, creatures that do not have blood in their bodies are immune to blood curses uh, unless you have amplified the curse. You can use this feature once, beginning at 6th level, you can use the Blood Maledic feature twice, three times at 13th level, and four times at 17th level, regaining all expended uses when you finish a short or long rest. Nice. So, yeah, this is really... Like, this is the big part of where you're diving into that whole esoteric blood forbidden magic. Yeah. It gives you like, it's not obviously not a, a spell, um, but it gives you kind mm-hmm. of a little bit of a, a sort of kind of spell for you to use. Um, and mm-hmm. so you, so you have something to do like you're fighting and whatnot, and then you can like reach out your hand and make their eyes, your eyes bleed or whatever, and do some, you know, dark. Mm hmm evil stuff yeah so do we want to quickly lightning round through the blood curses since there's a lot of them and honestly if you're going to be doing blood hunter it doesn't matter if you listen to this you're going to want to read up on the blood hunter anyways yeah let's lightning round this lightning round Okay, would you like to start us off? Sure. First off is Blood Curse the Anxious. As a bonus action, you magnify the adrenaline in your body of creature within 30 feet of you, making them susceptible to forceful influence. Until the end of your next turn, all creatures have advantage on charisma intimidation checks directed at the target creature. If you amplify it, um, the next wisdom saving throw against the target has disadvantage. Uh, Once you amplify this Blood Curse, you must finish a long rest before you can amplify it again. Blood Curse of Binding. As a bonus action, you can attempt to bind a creature you can see within 30 feet of you that is no more than one size larger than you. So basically, size large or smaller. The target must succeed on a strength saving throw or have their speed reduced to zero and they can't use reactions until the end of your next turn. Amplify. This curse lasts for one minute and can affect a creature regardless of their size category. At the end of each of its turns, the cursed creature can make another strength saving throw. On success, the curse ends. Nice. Um, Blood Curse of Bloated Agony. As a bonus action, you curse a creature you can see within 30 feet of you to painfully swell until the end of your next turn. For the duration of this curse, the creature has disadvantage on strength and dexterity ability checks and suffers 1d8 necrotic damage if it makes uh, more than one melee uh, or range attack during this turn. And if you amplify it, the curse uh, lasts a minute and it gets a con save at the end of its turn to uh, get rid of it. Uh, Blood Curse of Corrosion, prerequisites of being level 15 and Order of the Mutant. As a bonus action, a creature within 30 feet of you must make a constitution saving throw or be poisoned. At the end of each of its turns, the target can make another con saving throw. On success, the curse ends. Amplified. Uh, The cursed creature suffers 4d6 necrotic damage and suffers this damage again every time it fails a constitution saving throw. At the uh, a con saving throw to end the curse at the end of its turns. 
More damage, more stuff. Great. Moving on. Uh, Blood Curse of the Exorcist. Prerequisite, 15th level, Order of the Ghost Slayer. As a bonus action, you can choose one creature you see within 30 feet of you that is charmed, frightened, or possessed. That creature is no longer charmed, frightened, or possessed. Um, Any creature that is... And if you amplify it, any creature that uh, that charmed, uh, frightened, or possessed the target of your your curse suffers 3d6 uh, psychic damage and must make a wisdom saving throw or be stunned until the end of your turn. Great for slaying ghosts. Um, What's our next one? Blood Curse of Exposure. When a creature you can see within 30 feet is hit with an attack or a spell, you can use your reaction to temporarily weaken their resilience against it. Until the end of the turn, the target loses their resistance to the damage types of the triggered attack or spell. To amplify it, this, the target instead loses invulnerability to damage types of the triggering attack or spell, having resistance to them instead until the end of the turn. Um, It's there. Was that the Blood Curse of Exposure? Yep. I lost my place. Um, <laughs> Blood Curse of the Eyeless. When a creature you can see with uh, within 30 feet of makes an attack roll, you can use a reaction to roll one Hemocraft die and subtract the number rolled from the uh, from the creature's attack roll. You can choose this, uh, to use this feature after the creature's uh, roll, but before the DM decides whether the attack roll succeeds. Um, if the creature is immune, if the, the creature is immune, if it is immune to blindness. If you amplify it, you must apply to this. Uh, you apply this curse to all the creatures' attack rolls until the end of your turn. You roll a new hemograph die for each affected attack. Blood curse of the fallen puppet. When a creature you can see within thirty feet, dro- within thirty feet, if you drops to zero hit points, you can use your reaction to make that creature immediately make a single weapon attack against a target of your choice that's within its attack range. Uh, when you amplify it, you can first move the cursed creature up to half their speed. Any grant a bonus to the cursed creature's attack roll equal to your intelligence modifier, a minimum of one. Nice. Uh, Blood Curse of the Howl, prerequisite 18th level Order of the Lycan. Uh, as an action, you unleash a blood-curdling howl. Um, each creature within 30 feet of you that can hear you must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or become frightened uh, of you until the end of your next turn. If they fail the saving throw by five or more, they are stunned and while well, frightened in this way. A creature that succeeds on the saving throw is immune to this blood curse for the next 24 hours. Uh, you can choose any number of creatures you can see to be unaffected by the howl. Uh, if you amplify it, the range increases to 60 feet. Blood curse of the marked. As a bonus action, you can mark a creature within 30 feet of you until the end of your turn whenever you deal right damage, which is something we'll get into in a bit. Against the target, you deal an additional hemocraft die of right damage. When you amplify the next attack roll against the target before your turn ends has advantage. Nice. Um, uh, Blood Curse of the Muddled Mind. As a bonus action, you curse a creature you can, uh, that you can see within 30 feet of you that is concentrating on a spell. That creature has disadvantage on the next con- con- constitution saving throw it must make to maintain concentration before the end of its your next turn. Uh, if you amplify it, the, the cursed creature has disadvantage on all constitution saving throws made to maintain concentration uh, um, of the spell until the end of your next turn. So, yeah. Really nice. Uh, Blood Curse of the Soul Eater. Prerequisite, 18th level, Order of the Profane Soul. When a creature that isn't a construct or undead is reduced to, is reduced to 0 HP within 30 feet of you, you can use a reaction to usher their soul to your patron in exchange for power. Until the end of your next turn, your weapon attacks have advantage. Amplified. In addition, you regain an, expen- an expended warlock spell slot. 
Uh, once you amplify this blood curse, you may fin uh, you must finish a long rest before you can amplify it again. Nice. Da -da -da. Yeah, that is all. There's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot, and it's kind of like you got to pick and choose the, um, which one, how you want to play your uh, your blood hunter. Because obviously, mm -hmm. some are more like more hands on, and some are more hands off. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're all pretty. They're all pretty interesting and weird and cool and whatnot. My personal favorite is mm -hmm. uh, Blood Curse of the Fallen Puppet, where you just get to make your uh, a guy attack when they fall down. Um, mm -hmm. I think that's fun. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. Those are the blood malad or the blood curses. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. we're now on to second level. <laughs> um, oh boy! Second level, what you get, get a second level. You get fighting style. You get something else, but you get fighting style. Um, uh, arch. Your fighting styles are archery, duel, uh, dueling, great weapon fighting, and two weapon fighting. Interestingly enough, um, uh, no, like, I, th I really like this actually that there's no de defensive fighting style because usually that's like a, a given. Mm -hmm. um, but it's I like this. It's like yeah, you gotta you, you gotta specialize in a weapon. You're here, here to yeah, you're here to kill. Yeah. Um, what's our yeah. other second level ability? Our other second level ability is another really big feature of the Blood Hunter, that being the Crimson Rite. At second level, you learn to invoke a Rite of Hemocraft within your weapon at the cost of your own vitality. Choose one of the rites from the Primal Rites list below. As a bonus action, you can activate a Crimson Rite on a single weapon with the elemental energy of a known rite of your choice that lasts until you finish a short or long rest, or if you aren't holding the weapon at the end of your turn. Uh, when you activate a right, you must lose a number of hit points equal to one roll of your Hemocraft die, uh, as shown in the Hemocraft die column of the Bloodhunter table. While active, uh, attacks from this weapon deal additional 1d4 damage uh, of the chosen right weapon of the chosen right's damage type. This damage is magical and increases as you level up as a Bloodhunter, as shown in the Hemocraft die table. So basically, if I'm reading this right. Basically, you just deal damage, extra damage equal to the level of Hemocraft die that you have. Yeah, so when it uh, upgrades to a D6, it does a D6 damage and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Yep, uh, a weapon can hold only a single active right at a time, and you learn additional an additional primal right at 7th level, and you choose an additional, and you choose an esoteric right at 14th level. Uh, yeah. The primal rites that you get to, the choice of starting off with being the right of flame, fire damage, the right of the frozen, cold damage, and the right of the storm, lightning damage. Uh, then the esoteric rites that you get to choose from are uh, right of the dead, necrotic damage, right of the oracle, psychic damage, and right of the roar, thunder damage. I really like this because it's just describing how how that um, your right like activates like because basically. You have to. You have, you're doing damage to yourself. You have like something has to bleed, right? You know what I'm saying? You're a blood hunter. Mm -hmm. Um, so like maybe your blood like just falls on the blade and just catches fire, like kind of like oil or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. or uh, yeah, you, you know, can have some really cool imagery with this. Yeah, I like the, like maybe like the oracle or whatever. Um, you you're you're like your blade like absorbs the blood from um that from your wound. Or whatever and then it just like 
it sort of it it like loses corporealness just a little bit to attack mm-hmm. their mind. We're swinging it. We're swinging around. And it has like a sort of after image following the blade. Oh yeah, goes, yeah. Or mm-hmm. I like that too. Yeah, very fun. Yeah, uh, I guess just it's really cool. Uh, this is definitely one of the main things you're going to be using as a blood hunter. Uh, and so just think about the different kinds of imagery you can do with it because like if you're gonna do something all the time you might as well make it look cool yeah and the other thing is the only limit you're only limited uh in terms of uses to how many hit points you have so that's that's nice mm-hmm. but you're also probably yeah should when you're playing this character you should probably think about bumping up their constitution because you're going to be damaging mm-hmm. yourself a lot and you're also probably unless unless you're like an archer or whatever you're probably going to be uh, in the mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even then, if you are playing an archer, you're probably not going to be doing a crap ton of crimson rites on your arrows, since it does end if you're not holding on to the weapon at the end of your turn. I wonder. Hmm, I wonder if there's a specific like ruling about the bow. I wonder if you can do it with your bow, and then all the arrows fired through that bow have that. I would. I would allow that. As yeah, I've always had a weird thing about enchanted, like a ch- enchanted ranged weapons, specifically bows my, and crossbows, my, just because the enchantment's on the bow itself and not on the arrow. So I'm always I always feel iffy about my, like the effects of certain things if it would go through a my, like a magically resistant creature. The way I see it is like you could have an enchanted bow. I would just mm-hmm. I would just say you are allowed to have it's it's almost like if you if you have uh it's kind of like uh with like potions and like spell scrolls and stuff like that. If you have magical ammunition, it's allowed to be kind of like a few you know punch a little bit above its weight class because it's just a one use. Like perhaps mm-hmm. perhaps that arrow like you you have a bow you have a plus one bow but you got a plus three arrow and that's you know, the arrow only works like once, but you get a plus three to it, or may, like maybe once or twice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, we'll talk about magic items another time in the distant future. Yeah, interesting uh, topic though, the range stuff. Anyways, third level, yeah. you're getting your uh, Blood Hunter Order, which is your subclass. You get to choose from Order of the Ghost Slayer, Order of the Profane Soul, Order of the Mutant, or Order of the Lycan. All detailed in the end of this class description. Um, yeah. Neat. Mm-hmm. Fourth level ASI. It's the usual ASI build. My fourth level, eighth level, twelfth, sixteenth, and nineteenth. Uh, any real feat suggestions? Tough. Um, yep. You gotta have a. You gotta have some extra hit points. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. It's. If you don't have it, if you don't have the extra hit points to work with. Um you're going to be in trouble. I wouldn't say it's, like, imperative. Uh, if I was playing a variant human, I probably would take it right off the bat. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I might, depending on where your ability scores are at, I might uh, I might hold off uh, to level 8, not take it at level 4. Um, yeah. But other than that, your, your later ones, I probably would pick up uh, some sort of uh, weapon-based feat, great weapon master, sharpshooter, the like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
That that basically mirrors what I'm thinking. Just yeah. tough, and then later on. Really, I'd say for this one, I'd probably focus more on the stat increases. Yeah, uh, I think it's... Just because you're going to be getting so many bonuses from other things, I think such it's as more... your Crimson Right damage. Yeah, I think it's more beneficial to you to um, buff your Constitution than buff your... Uh, just get tough beat, because you're going to be buffing your constitution saving throws, and you can, like, you know, it maybe mm-hmm. your maybe your con modifier's odd, so you just bump that up one, and then you're, you bump, you know, your main attack, whatever. So you get the chest. Yeah. Yep. And I might as well cover level five as well, because it's extra attack. It's extra attack. Moving on. Uh, level six, we get Brand of Castigation. I really love these names. Like, all things aside, these names are all so freaking good um mm-hmm. uh basically whenever you deal you damage creature with your crimson right feature you can choose to sear an arcane brand of hemocraft magic it requires no action um you always know the direction of the branded ke- creature and each time the branded creature deals damage to you or a creature you can see within five feet of you the creature takes psychic damage equal to your intelligence modifier um a minimum of one damage uh uh, your the, your brand lasts until you dismiss it, or until you brand another creature. Uh, your brand counts as a spell uh, for the purpose of spell magic, and it equals the level equals half your blood hunter level. Um, so yeah, it's a minor thing. Uh, there are I think I don't are there some right uh, are there some uh, blo- uh, curses that build off of it? I can't remember. I don't think there are. There might be one. Uh, not that I can remember. <laughs> Never mind then. There are definitely. Yeah. I think I'm pretty sure that all the subclasses have a, a feature that builds off of the brand of castigation. So, it's a nice little feature. And then there's there's going to be a little uh, something else that packs a like a just sort of a, a bit of personalized flavor, which I really I really like. Um, mm-hmm. what what about uh, a ninth level? Ninth level, you have my grim psychoma- psychometry. Yeah, that's a word. Uh, <laughs> when you reach ninth level, you have a supernatural talent for discerning the history of surrounding mysterious, for discerning the history surrounding mysterious objects or places touched by evil. When making an intelligence history check to recall information about a darker past surrounding an object you are touching, or a location you are presently in, you have advantage on the roll. The information gleaned often leans towards the more sinister influences of the past and sometimes conveys visions of things previously unknown to the character on higher roles. So this is very much more of a, like, this is a case-by-case situation for what kind of campaign you're going to be running. Mm -hmm. And this is a very DM-dependent skill that you're going to have to remind your DM you have. This is kind of like, I think something we would talk about when you... Would have ended up talking about later, regardless. But now it's fine um, that this class is not like like it's not for everybody, and it's not for every campaign either. Like if you know, mm-hmm. it it might not you know like there are just some campaigns that just is not going to work with. Like I'm thinking, um, it might not fit in your sunshine, rainbows, and unicorns campaign with it might not, pixie dust and all of that. It might not fit in your like uh, big damn quest, like you know going to strike down the forces of evil and whatnot yeah um Mm -hmm. because you're kind of you're taking a walk on the darker side Uh, it also i Mm -hmm. this gives me like strong uh 
vibes from like uh, the when if I'm thinking of the book, but uh, in the the Netflix Witcher series when uh, the Striga episode where where Geralt just kind of knows how to how to uh, get rid of the curse on the Striga and like knows where to go to figure out like the the details on the Striga. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also also finds out it's like yeah the Striga is you know like a an unborn child or whatever, and then kind of ruts out the the whole incest part of that. Spoilers. Uh, sorry. Um, but yeah, that's kind of mm-hmm. what what it reminds me of. Yeah, I like this because I like just sort of a thought that came to me was this is very much building off of that earlier thing of this is a dark esoteric magic that you're gonna have to look hard for. Uh, when you're starting off as a blood hunter, I like to think that you're still like developing and learning more about what it really means to be a blood hunter mm-hmm. and all this different stuff. And by the time you get to this level, it's like you have sort of mastered that ability to like see those more ancient sides of history to pick up more of what like pick up a lot of those darker secrets much easier. I think the way I kind of see blood hunter is like, unlike some of the other classes in D and D like, like the fighter, like the fighter, by the time you've reached level one, you basically completed your training, quote unquote. Like you're above, you're a step above the rest, um, in, in a sense. Mm-hmm. And like you get a step above the rest just by being a blood hunter. I feel like twentieth level means you've completed your blood hunter training and you're you're ready to actually, you know, do stuff. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. Obviously, you're doing stuff in your adventuring career, but that's kind mm-hmm. of. But yeah, it feels like you're training the entire time as you're leveling up. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, dark augmentation at tenth level. Your arcane magic suffuses your body, permanently reinforcing your resilience. Your speed increases by five feet, and whenever you make a strength, dexterity, or Constitution saving throw, you gain a bonus to the saving throw equal to your intelligence modifier, a minimum of plus one. So another thing that's giving you that bonus. Um your mm-hmm. intelligence or from your intelligence so another another reason to bump your intelligence a bit uh, mm-hmm. yeah short sweet to the point yep what's next um brand of teth brand of tethering uh, starting at 13th level the psychic damage uh, from your brand of castigation feature increases to twice your intelligence modifier minimum of two in addition, a branded creature can't take the dash action, and if a creature branded by you attempts to teleport or leave the current plane via ability, spell, or portal, they take 4d6 psychic damage and must make a wisdom saving throw. On a fail, the teleport or plane shift fails. Nice. That's that's really good for, obviously, like mm-hmm. keeping your foes. And another like thing that makes your brand of castigation just less of a... Just, like, yeah, it's kind of just there. Um, you definitely really mm-hmm. want to get this now. It's like, yeah, you can't leave. <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, 14th level, Hardened Soul. This one's super short. Makes sense. Uh, you have advantage on saving throws against being charmed or frightened. That's it. You're harder yeah, to charm. you've seen some stuff. You're harder to charm. You're harder to frighten. You've seen shit. Um, and what's, what's finally, it? the Capstone ability... Level 20, Sanguine Mastery. My level 20, you have honed your control over blood magic, mitigating your sacrifice and empowering 
and empowering capability. Once per turn, whenever a Blood Hunter uh, feature requires you to roll a Hemocraft die, you can choose to re-roll the die and choose whichever result to use. In addition, whenever you score a critical hit with a weapon attack empowered by your Crimson Rite, uh, you regain one expended use of your Blood Maledict feature. I like this one. I think I don't think it's like uh, above and beyond in terms of like capstones. They're definitely better ones. Um, but I, I like this because it's you're gonna get use in this uh, of this. Um, and I also a thing that Matt Mercer does a lot is like uh, with like the critical hit will give you back one of your features. I I always really like that because it just it makes that critical hit feel so mm-hmm. much more like yeah I get the critical hit. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. Like I think it's sort of like a true second wind. It's like mm-hmm. you've like you feel sudden surge of strength, and from that you're able like you realize I can push myself just a little bit farther, just a little yeah. bit farther. Yeah, and like it's really nice as well because like at my if you're going to be getting stuff back on crits, it's like well you're just encouraged to use it even more. Yeah, and you're also rather than like some of the other ones that are like uh, um, that have like a regenerative ability, like the capstones. Like it's like oh yeah, you get these back, you get some points back on a short rest, or you get like you get them on your roll initiative or whatever. It's like this sort of this ability promotes uh, allows you to regenerate it in combat, which makes it way more viable than taking you mm-hmm. know getting it back on a short rest or whatever. Yeah. So. So, yeah, that's the that's the basis for the Blood Hunter. Now, moving into the Blood Hunter orders. Which one do we have uh, first? Starting with the Order of the Ghost Slayer. All right, the Order of the Ghost Slayer. Guess what? Slay ghosts. <laughs> yes. Um, mm-hmm. Right off the bat, with at third level, you're getting Right of the Dawn. You earn it. Uh, you when you start join this order at third level, you uh, learn. The Rite of the Dawn, Esoteric Rite. So you just get this for free. Uh, the Rite of the Dawn, your Rite damage is Radiant Damage, and while the Rite is active, you gain the following benefits. Um, your weapon sheds bright light uh, out to a ra- radius of 20 feet. Uh, have resistance to Necrotic Damage, and your weapon deals one additional Hemocraft uh, die of Rite Damage when you hit an Undead. So, you, you get you get like yeah. a, you get a souped-up Rite, so you have a... which you're probably you're obviously going to be using a lot because it's your it's your glowy sword <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah really nice glowy sword mm-hmm. um also at third level you get cursed specialist uh, beginning at third level your ancient order teaches advanced mastery over blood curses you gain an additional use of your blood maledict feature in addition your blood curses can target any creature whether it has blood or not that's awesome yeah Makes sense. You're wanting to target ghosts with your blood. Your blood mm-hmm. magic. And not just that, but getting an extra, like, getting more uses out of it. Third, oh, yeah. Like, at third level. That's great. Oh, yeah, nope. That's awesome. Cause you're pro- I feel like they're, they, they're a little more about the, the blood curses side of things. Just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what do we get level seven? Seven, you get ethereal step. Upon reaching 7th level at the start of your turn, if you aren't incapacitated, you can choose to magically step into the veil between planes. You can, uh, it's called a ethereal step. I didn't say that before. Um, uh, 
you can move through other creatures and objects as if they were difficult terrain, as well as see and affect creatures and objects on the ethereal plane. You take 1d10 force damage if you end your turn inside an object. If you are inside an object when the feature ends, you are immediately shunted to the nearest uh, unoccupied space that you can occupy um, and take and take force damage equal to twice the number of feet you moved. This feature lasts a number of rounds equal to your intelligence modifier. Uh, you can use this feature once. Beginning at, uh, beginning at feet 15th level, you can use your ethereal, ethereal step feature twice between rounds. You regain all expended uses when you finish a short or long rest. Uh, yeah. yeah. You just get to go into the ethereal plane. I, does this mean... I think because it's stepping in the veil... I think that also means you can still affect things, so you just basically become incorporeal and can just, like, jump through walls and stuff like that for a few rounds mm -hmm. and, like, just pop through the wall and stab somebody, <laughs> which is fun. Yeah. Yeah. Really cool. Really, like, yeah, just... Very it's, fun. It's really cool. What else do I have to say? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I guess at 11th level, you get Brand of Sundering. Beginning at 11th level, your Brand of Castigation now exposes a fragment of your foe's essence, leaving them vulnerable to your Crimson Rite. Whenever you damage a brandy creature with your Crimson Rite, your weapon uh, deals one additional Hemocraft die of right damage. In addition, the brandy creature can't move through creatures or objects. So this is really for focusing on those ghosts, those specters, those banshees, that incorporeal ghosts. movement. Yeah, the, that incorporeal movement, nah, -uh, not happening. Yeah, you're you're locking them down. Mm-hmm. Um, so. and it also, you know, also being able to deal uh, an additional uh, hemocraft uh, die of right damage, uh, basically souping up that hemocraft damage uh, is. <laughs> is also pretty good um because mm -hmm. that doesn't that's not just for ghosts <laughs> makes it yeah a, a little more versatile than that but now when you're attacking my undead creatures who are branded with your brand of castigation you are now dealing three crimson right die on top of your normal weapon die damage mm -hmm. yeah you're taking down ghosts so real quick. yeah you're gonna yeah, not afraid of no ghost. Um, Blood Curse of the Exorcist. At 15th level, you've honed your hemocraft to tear wicked influence from your allies, punishing those who would infiltrate their body and mind. You gain the Blood Curse of the Exorcist for your Blood Maledict feature. This does not count uh, against your number of Blood Curses known. So that, that one that was just like you can rip people out of their you know, grip ghosts out of their out of people's bodies and whatnot. You you just get that for free, mm -hmm. which which makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I don't know how useful it'll be at fifteenth level. Well, that's it's just anybody. Because... In the, they don't just have to be possessed; they can be charmed or frightened for it to work. And um, mm -hmm. and that kick by that kickback damage for someone who's charmed or like charmed can entail something like as uh, I, I think it entails dominate dominate person and stuff like that so you you take off somebody who's like the vampire or whatever who's dominating your ally um and you just you say nope that's done and guess what vamp you're taking damage too um 
with just just that kickback damage is I think is pretty nice, especially because you're already getting an, an additional uh, blood maledict use. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess fair enough. Um, and finally, on level 18, you get uh, Right Revival. Upon reaching 18th level, you learn to protect your fading life by absorbing your blood right. Uh, when you reduce to zero hit points, well, you have an active crimson right, but don't die outright. The right ends, and you drop to one hit point instead. Uh, if you have rights active on multiple weapons, you choose which one ends. So, just clinging on to life. Yep, that's going to be useful, because you're... And, I mean, hopefully you're not dying a lot, but in a mm-hmm. pinch, that's always always a good one. Yeah, I'd say... Like between between most of the martial classes who are going to be up front, you're probably going to be one of the most susceptible to death just because uh, you are going to be hurting yourself a decent amount from amplifying blood mal from amplifying blood maledicts from your uh, activating your crimson rites. So you're already knocking down your HP a decent chunk by the time you get to the front lines to actually start hurting things. Yeah. So there's a I think that this is really nice to have, uh, just because you are more likely to die than well, you're more likely to go unconscious than basically the rest of your upfront party. Yeah. So overall thoughts on the order of the Ghost Slayer? Very fun. I think I would I definitely would play this. <laughs> just all the all the flavor is right there. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't. I think all the stuff that you you feel like you should be able to do as a, uh, as a person who slays ghosts, you can do as the ghost slayer, which mm-hmm. <laughs> for me should be a uh, uh, you know the first priority. So I think it I think it does its job well. Yeah, agreed. All right, and moving on to the next order, the order of the profane soul. Uh, the profane soul. Uh-huh. Yeah, so what do we get at third level? You get uh you get otherworldly patron. Hey, that sounds familiar. Basically, this is kind of a, a warlock um thing. You're you're basically uh um similar to how the uh arcane trickster was is for Rogue, the order of the profane soul is for the blood hunter and like the warlock. Mm-hmm. So uh when you reach third level you strike a bar- bargain with otherworldly patron of your choice, the Archmage, the fiend or the Great Old One, um, and you can choose the Undying from the Sword Coast Adventure Guide, which we didn't, uh, which I, we might we might go over, we might not, um, and the Celestial or the Hexblade uh, uh, in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Uh, your choices augment some of your features, um, and basically, there, like as you go down, your choice will affect other stuff. Um, you also get Pact Magic, which is pretty much just like the warlock spell slot which i feel like we'll go into more detail on the actual warlock episode um Mm -hmm. but basically you're getting uh for this you're getting two cantrips from the warlock spell uh spell list uh you get an additional at 10th level you the table show me shows how many spell slots you have um and the whole gist is with the with the war the pact magic casting is um you have a number of spells, and you have a, a limited number of spell slots, um, but you always 
you always must cast at the highest level spell slot you have. So if you have second level spell slots, you are always casting at second level. You don't have any first level spell slots. Um, mm-hmm. The bonus there is uh, you get them back at a short rest. The other negative is you only have like one or two. Um, so and yeah. this is and this is very limited. You're you're not even getting a second spell lo- spell slot until sixth level. So. Mm-hmm. So you're a very slow progression. You're not... These are just, like... They're, like, little little bumps. They're not going to be game changers. Um, yeah. And this you're still... Like, you're still casting... the weirdest... My, I'd say this is the weirdest third caster, just because, like... Warlock casting is already weird, and to mm-hmm. be a third caster warlock... The max level spell slot you're going to get is fourth level at level nineteen, mm-hmm. and the most spell slots you get is level two. Well, is two spell slots starting at sixth level, but you do know a bunch of spells like as you keep going, so you can yeah. switch out what you have ready. But anyways, yeah. please continue. Yep, and uh, the spellcasting ability is intelligence, keeping with the you know the fact that the there, so you're not going to have to split that stat um, between intelligence and charisma which i think would have been detrimental to this subclass yeah um what what else do we get at third level at third level my this is well i don't know if you'd really say it's something else that you get but it's just another thing listed being your right focus my beginning at third level your weapon becomes a core to your pact with your chosen dark patron uh, while you have an active Crimson Rite, you can use your weapon as a spellcasting focus uh, for your Warlock spells, and you gain a specific benefit based on which pact you have chosen. Uh, you want to just alternate back and forth on these? Sure. Okay, starting with the Pact of the Archfey. When you deal right damage to a creature, it glows with a faint light until the end of your next turn. For the duration, the creature can't benefit from half cover, three-quarters cover, or being invisible. Pretty nice. Yeah. Um, Celestial... And use a uh, uh, use of your blood analytic feature as a bonus action to heal uh, one uh, to heal one creature that you can see within 60 feet of you. They regain a number. Uh, they regain hit points. Um, they regain a number of hit points equal to the one roll of your hemocraft die plus your intelligence modifier, equal to minimum of one. Uh, uh, and then what do we get to the fiend? The fiend. Uh, when you hit a creature with your right of the flame. Uh, if you roll a one or a two on your Hemocraft die, you can re-roll that die and choose which, and choose which roll to use. Oh, I should I should um explain better that there's no blood curse from the blood maledic feature. You can expend a use of the blood maledic feature to heal for the celestial. Sorry, um, the great old one, uh, the great old one. When you score a critical hit against a creature while using the weapon, uh. The, that creature is frightened of you until the end of your next turn. All right, and uh, the Hexblade, whenever you target a creature with a Blood Curse, uh, your next attack against the cursed creature deals additional damage equal to your proficiency modifier. Pretty nice. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, the Undying, whenever you reduce a hostile creature to zero hit points using weapon attack, you regain a number of hit points equal to uh, equal to one roll of your Hemocraft die. That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, 
lots of fun little features. So, you know, just, it's there. Um, I guess starting at 7th level, uh, one of the abilities that you get is called Mystic Frenzy. Uh, when you use your action to cast a cantrip, you can immediately make one weapon attack as a bonus action. So, yeah, just dealing, doing more stuff. Yep. Um, you also get Revealed Arcana. Um, basically, at the, the gist is it has what a feature for each pact again. I don't want to read them all, so but so I'll just tell you what it does. Um, is mm-hmm. basically it gives you a use of the spe- uh, of a spell. Uh, you have to use your packed magic spell slot for it, um, and you can only use it once per long rest. So it's like a special one one use spell that's a little better than your other your previous selection. So the Archfey mm-hmm. gets blur. What does the Celestial get? Uh, lesser restoration. Fiend gets scorching ray. Uh, the great old ones get detect thoughts. The hexblade gets uh, branding smite, and the undying gets blindness deafness. Nice. What do we get at eleventh level? At eleventh level, you get brand of the sapping scar. Once at eleventh level, your brand of castigation feature now digs dark arcane scars into your target, leaving them vulnerable to your magic. A creature branded by you has disadvantage on their saving throws against your warlock spells. So, you know, you can really, really put the hurt down on them with your two spell slots. <laughs> yeah, you know, just a little, guess, little something-something. And, and I guess your cantrips, but let's be honest, most of those are attack rolls. An Eldritch Blast! Yep. You are a warlock after all. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh... Well. At 15th you know, level... It's there. Yeah. At 15th level, you're getting Unsealed Arcana, which is similar, uh, except you're getting uh, you're getting to use the spell without expending a spell slot, so you get a little special special boy. The Archfey is getting slow. Uh, Celestial is getting Revivify. Fiend is getting Fireball. Uh, Great Old One is getting Haste. The Hexblade is getting Blink. And the Undying is getting Bestow Curse. So nice. I definitely see some of these as better than others. Um. Yeah, Revivify isn't going to necessarily come in ev- all the time. <laughs> um. mm-hmm. When there's stuff like Fireball, Haste, Slow. Haste uh, is great. I l- being able to ha- like cast Haste without expending a spell slot, and be like, especially as mm-hmm. a Blood Hunter, that's going to give you a lot of different like keep it's gonna open up your action economy a lot Mm -hmm. yeah then finally at 18th level you get my blood cursed of the soul eater uh yeah starting 18th level you've learned to siphon the soul from your fallen prey your uh you gain a blood curse of the soul eater maledict feature uh, this does not count against the number of blood curses known. We talked about it a little bit earlier, so same. I guess it's the same thing yeah. as the Ghost Slayer, just a higher level. Mm-hmm. So, thoughts on Order of the Profane Soul? I like I like this. I I just it's too many things going on. You know what I mean? Like it's too many plates spinning. It's a it's an endeavor. Like you, like 
I gotta lo worry about my Crimson Right. I gotta worry about my Hemocraft dies. I gotta worry about my Blood Maledict. I gotta worry about my Brand of Castigation. I gotta worry about my... Uh, and I, now I have to worry about spell slots and how the Warlock spell slots work. I have to worry about cantrips and mm -hmm. stuff like that. And I also have to worry about the Unsealed Arcana, which is a once-per-day... Uh, or once... Yeah, once-per-day spell that I, get, I just get. It's a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's... Yeah, I'm... I think I'm... out of all of the orders... This is probably my least favorite. Mm -hmm. Like, it's, I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't call out to me in any way. It just feels like a kind of crappy, like Eldritch Knight or like just yeah. If it, it feels worse than the other third casters. Yeah. So, you know. So, Matt Mercer, please don't hate us. I, we know you're listening. Mm-hmm, yep. Um, <laughs> moving on to the Order of the Mutant. Um, this is probably one of the more complex... I feel like it's one of the more complex of them. Yeah. You get those... You get the mutants, which is... We'll get mm -hmm. to. But it's very fun. Yeah, so... Being able to just drink toxins, it's like, yeah, I do stuff better now. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's, it's very cool. I, I actually really like this. Um, yeah. Anyways... Get into it. Would you like to start us off? Oh yeah, let's uh, start off with formulas. You begin to uncover forbidden alchemy, chemical formulas that temporal are temporarily alter your mental and physical abilities. Being at third level, you uh, choose to learn four mutagen formulas. Uh, the options are detailed at the end of the this order description. Uh, you gain additional formula at seventh, eleventh, fifteenth, and eighteenth level. Um, Additionally, when you gain a new mutagen formula, you can choose one you already know to replace it. Which, it's like, great, you know these, but tell me, Orion, what you get to use, you get to do with this. Um, what, do you want me to go over the mutagen craft? Or, yeah, go over mutagen uh, craft, because the formula is just like, this is what you know, mutagen craft is actually mm -hmm. what, you're, what you do with yeah. it. Yep. So at third level, you can talk. You can concoct a single mutagen when you finish a short or long rest. Starting at seventh level, number of mutagens increases. You can create uh, when you finish a rest increased to two, and you can create three at level fifteen. As a bonus action, you can consume a single mutagen, and the effect and side effect last until you finish a short or long rest, unless otherwise specified. Uh, while one or more mutagens are affecting you you can use your action to focus and flush toxins out of your six out of your system uh ending the effects of all the effects and side effects of all mutagens uh, mutagens are designed for your biology and have no effect on other creatures uh, they are also unstable by nature uh losing their potency over time and becoming inert if not used before you finish a your next short or long rest so basically you're gonna have to sort of quickly describe the mutagens before really going into them. Mm -hmm. You have the main effect of them, and you have the side effect of them. You, uh, you can theoretically have as many going as a time at a time, so long as you can have the time to create them. And so, you can like when you hit level seven, you can have two mutagens going at a time, uh, but you have then you're suffering from the effects of both of them and the side effects of both of them. Mm -hmm. Last until a short or long rest, you could choose to end all effects as an action by forcing it out of your system. Yeah, so you you got you got to play with this sort of uh, you know side effect and 
thing. Like, what is the is the side effect detrimental in this, or, or is it uh, you know, or is it not? <laughs> yeah, shall mm-hmm. we do lightning round part two? Yep, lightning round part two. Would you like to get us started? All right. Starting off, Aether is prerequisite has, is at 11th level. You gain a flying speed of 20 feet for an hour. The side effect is you have a disadvantage on dexter- or strength and dexterity ability checks for an hour, so the same amount of time. Alluring, your skin and voice become malleable, allowing you to slightly enhance your appearance and uh, presence. You have advantage on charisma ability checks. Side effect, you have disadvantage on initiative rolls. Clarity. Your dexterity score increases by 3, as as does your dexterity maximum. Your This bonus increases by 1 at 11th level and 18th level. Side effect, you have disadvantage on wisdom saving throws. Yep. Uh, conversant. Uh, you gain advantage on intelligence ability checks. As a side effect, you have disadvantage on wisdom ability checks. Cruelty. Prerequisite, 11th level. When you at- use the attack action, you can make an additional weapon attack as a bonus action. The side effect is you have disadvantage on intelligence, wisdom, and charisma saving throws. Deftness. You have advantage on dexterity ability checks. As a side effect, you have disadvantage on wisdom ability checks. Embers. You gain resistance to fire damage. Side effect, you gain vulnerability to cold damage. Glid. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. It's a weird word. G-E-L-I-D. I don't know how to say that at all. Gelid? Gelid? Gelid. Let's go with that. Sure. You have resistance to cold damage. As a side effect, you're vulnerable to fire. Um, impermeable. You gain, uh, you gain resistance to piercing damage. Side effect, you gain vulnerability to slashing damage. Mobile, you're immune to the grappled and restrained conditions. At 11th level, you're also immune to paralysis. As a side effect, you gain disadvantage on strength ability checks. Uh... Oh, uh, Night Eye. You gain dark vision for up to 60 feet. If you already have dark vision, this increases its range uh, by 60 additional feet. Side effect. You gain sunlight sensitivity. uh, Detailed in the Dark Elf section of the PHB. Uh, Percipient. Uh, You gain advantage on wisdom ability checks. As a side effect, you have disadvantage on charisma ability checks. Potency. Your strength score increases by 3, as does your strength maximum. This bonus increases by one at 11th and 18th level. Um, you're, you have disadv- and then your side effect is you have a disadvantage with dexterity saving throws. Precision, my prerequisite 11th level. Your weapon attacks score a critical hit on a 19 a 20. As a side effect, you have disadvantage on strength saving throws. Uh, rapidity, your speed increases by 10 feet at 15th level, and increases by 15 feet instead. Um, you, and then the side effect is you have disadvantage on intelligence ability checks. Reconstruction, prerequisite 7th level. For one hour, at the start of each of your turns, you regain hit points equal to your proficiency bonus if you have at least one hit point, but no more than half your your max HP left. As a side effect, your speed decreases by 10 feet for one hour. Uh, Sagacity, Um, your intelligence score increases by 3, as does your intelligence maximum. This bonus increases by 1 at 11th and 18th level. The side effect is you have disadvantage on charisma saving throws. Shielded, you have resistance to slashing damage, but vulnerability to bludgeoning damage. Unbreakable, you have resistance to bludgeoning damage, but you gain vulnerability to piercing damage. And finally, Vermilion, you gain advantage 
Well, you gain an additional use of your blood maledict feature. As a side effect, you gain disadvantage on death saving throws. So as you can see, you have a lot to play with. Yeah. And you only get what? At the end of your career, you get like six? Yep. So that's us. Might be a little, little more than half, maybe. Ugh, probably well, not. Let's see here. You start at third level. You start with four. Then you gain an additional one at seventh, eleventh, fifteenth, and eighteenth. So you have eight by the end. Okay, so you're probably getting you're getting at least half. Mm-hmm. But still, so. I think the key I think the key to this is taking stuff that is, um, you're like kind of like, uh, doubling up on like the disadvantage, which might seem like you know counterintuitive but like if you take conversant you have an advantage on intelligence ability checks um uh, ha- uh and deafness you have an uh, advantage on dexterity ability checks the both of their side effects is you have disadvantage on wisdom ability checks so if you take one you're already getting disadvantage you can't get disadvantage twice so mm-hmm. yeah there, there you go you you have you have advantage on these two you're are but you're only effectively only suffering the side effect of one Yep. Yeah, I would agree with that. Just uh, really, like, you really have to weigh your options on what you're going to, like, you're going to have to weigh your options on the side effects. Like, I agree with Gabe. Try to bundle as many of them together as you can. <laughs> yeah, uh, and, play, and play around with it, see what, see what works. Uh, if, if you're, like, kind of, like, hesitant going into this and, like, I don't want to choose the wrong one, just be, go to your DM and just be like... Oh, great and powerful dungeon master! Can, may I just switch some of these out uh, every like level or so, and just so I can figure out what works? And if they're a good DM, mm-hmm. they'll probably say, "Yeah, go for it. I want you to have fun." Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is definitely one where like you really have you don't know what's going to really be useful until you do try it. Because mm-hmm. like I think like so. even like the first one is like aether gain a flying speed of 20 feet it's like like someone be like that's cool i want that and then you like you use it and you're like okay this is actually kind of sucks because <laughs> mm-hmm. like 20 20 feet isn't great and the level level i can just have my wizard cast fly on me and get a 60 foot fly speed <laughs> without any yeah of the you know the downsides mm-hmm. so you know Mix yeah. and match, play around with it, figure out what works. What do we get at uh, seventh level, though? Or was it my at turn? Seventh level. Uh, let's go with your turn. Okay, I don't remember. Um, <laughs> beginning at seventh level, your body has begun to adapt to toxins and venoms, ignoring their corroding adve- uh, effects. You gain immunity to poison damage and the poison condition. Uh, now, poison is like, like a pretty common um, uh, thing to have like immunity to. But it's it's seventh level, and you're just getting outright immunity to a damage. That's pretty freaking cool. Um, just, just as a note, this feature is called strange metabolism. Oh yeah, strange. I keep forgetting to say that. Um, in addition, you can uh you can instill a burst of adrenaline to temporarily temporarily resist the negative effects of a mutagen. As a bonus action, you can choose to ignore the side effects of a mutagen affecting you for a minute. Uh, once you use the this feature to resist side effects you can't do so again until you finish a long rest so i see so basically you can use it once per combat like if you've got like a lot of stuff a lot of like a saving throws that's gonna uh at disadvantage that's really gonna screw you over um mm-hmm. you can be like all right I, I just need to get through this combat 
I'll figure out something later. I'm going to just use my mm-hmm. strange metabolism to get get through this. Yeah. Also, immunity to poison damage. It was pretty good. Yeah. Don't forget, poison condition, that is, that's painful. Yeah, that sucks. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's not like... Having, immuni- having immunity to that, wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to be great against going on against a Yuan-T. Mm-hmm. It's the first monster I thought of. I was like, yes, like snakes. Snakes are going to hate you because you're just going to be able to kick their ass and they, they can't even do anything. All, what are they going to do? Mm-hmm. Bite you with their, like, teeth? Losers. Um, I mean, that's usually what you bite people with. But anyways, um, <laughs> brand of Axiom at level 11. Uh, your Hemocraft has altered your brand of castigation to enforce a foe's true nature. Any illusion is disguising or making a creature invisible uh, when you brand them end. You can well, they can't benefit uh, from such illusions while branded. If a creature is if a creature branded by you is polymorphed or has shape change, they must succeed a wisdom saving throw or revert to their true form and be stunned until the end of your next turn. Whenever you're a branded creature attempts to polymorph or shape change, they must succeed on a wisdom saving throw, or the uh, or the attempted fails, uh, and they are stunned until the end of your next turn. I think I really like this. Something tells me because I, I just something tells me that Matt Mercer put this in just so you could actually kill a twentieth level druid. <laughs> something. Mm-hmm. Because <laughs> just so they don't keep changing shape all the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that is such just an annoying thing. Like something that has like change shape at will and like can just basically generate free hit points and whatnot. Like that sucks. Mm-hmm. You don't want to. You don't have to go through all of that hit points. It's just like, yeah, I hit you. Uh, I hit you with my brand, um, and you have to make the wisdom saving throw and, and or just be forced out of it. That's really that's a really good ability, I think. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more creatures with shape change than you might realize in the monster manual. There's just, so many. Like, like it's fun to just go through there and take a look at it. The first two things that pop into my mind, werewolf, obviously. So if you're going werewolf hunting, that's kind of a nice thing to have. But also vampires, since, like, yeah. I feel like, don't don't they, isn't their thing te- technically shape change? Yeah, well, they've, they've changed shapes. I don't, yeah, they've, they've like, I don't, I have to, I have to look at it, and I, I don't have the monster manual in front of me, so. Yeah, I'm thinking of their bat form, though, like. Often yeah, they'll try to enter your yeah. bat form to escape. So it's like, no, you're not doing that. Yeah, I would say that works. Why the why hell wouldn't it? You know? Yeah, so I don't know. It's fun. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, 15th level, you get Blood Curse of Corrosion. Um, basically, we already we already talked about this in the Blood Curses, so... Next... Mm-hmm. Yeah, and finally, at 18th level, you get Exalted Mutation. At 18th level, your body has adapted to produce your toxins naturally in a moment of need. As a bonus action, you can choose one mutagen currently affecting you to flush from your system and end it. Then immediately have a mutagen you know the formula of take its place. Uh, you can use this feature a number of times equal to your intelligence modifier. You regain all uses of this feature when you finish a long rest. So this is basically just sort of 
like that's uh, you're able to just swap out what you got going. It's like yeah. oh, I don't need resistance to fire anymore. I do really need res- like I might really need an extra attack or something. It's like great. I will just end embers and gain whatever that other one was that I don't remember the name of. <laughs> I think it was cruelty that gives you a second attack. That yep, that's it. So it's like. Yeah, I really don't need this resistance to fire anymore. We're fighting an ice dragon. Uh, <laughs> give me, give me cruelty or Gilead. Yeah, I, that's honestly this is way better because I know in previous versions of this, um, it was like this last one was like you have a, a mutation that's on you permanently. Um, but I like this a lot better. It's like yeah, just you can just switch it out. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like. Like, shoot, made the wrong choice, bah. Uh, and as a bonus action stuff, and you you get uh, uses of your equal to your intelligence modifier. That's you're gonna be able to use it a couple times. It probably mm-hmm. if you have if you have a three or four in your intelligence by this this time, you're probably gonna be all the the uses you need. You're not gonna, I doubt you'll need to to switch out, um, switch mm-hmm. your engines out more than more than three or four times in a, in a combat or whatever or in a day mm-hmm. yeah and plus this is stacking on top of you're still able to have like uh, by this time you can pretty sure you can create three yeah you can create three per short rest at this time anyways so yeah i basically see this as if you have an 18 in intelligence you basically have basically seven uses of your mutation craft because you're able to just switch stuff out yeah absolutely so yeah overall thoughts on the order of the mutant see this is i think this is like the sort of perfect balance of complexity like the the profane souls got a little too muddled and the the theme wasn't really quite there but like this you know exactly what you're about you're about drinking these these tonics that is gonna you know screw your body over just a little bit um, mm-hmm. but you're gonna, you know, you get this, you're gonna, you're gonna get a cool, uh, benefit from it and being able to kind of mm-hmm. play this game of like, uh, having the right resistance or whatever. And, you know, um, or, you know, having the right, the right mutagen at the right time. And I think is, is really fun to kind of play around with still complicated. I wouldn't recommend it for everybody, but it definitely is a, is a fun one to, to play. Mm-hmm. I see this as the most tactical of the uh, of the blood hunter orders like just looking at the uh, range of abilities like I see this as one of the more complex but also at the same time it feels fairly straightforward because you are limited in the ones that you get because you know you have to choose which ones you get yeah uh, a lot of really cool imagery you can be drinking elixirs. You can be uh, injecting needles or something. Uh, I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun. I want to play this one. Yeah, definitely. All right, and moving on to our final order, we have the Order of the Lycan. Werewolves! Hell yeah. Yeah, what? so what do we get? Uh, right away at third level, you're going to get heightened senses. You, when you choose this archetype at third level, you adopt 
improved uh, abilities of the natural predator, you gain advantage on wisdom perception checks that rely on hearing or smell. So you basically, like a werewolf or whatever, you know, werebear, whatever the hell you, you decided, instead of a wolf because mm-hmm. you wanted to be cool, um, <laughs> uh, you get you get to like you get that good sniffer, you get that those good ears. Mm-hmm. That's about it. Yeah. Uh, uh, you also get hybrid transformation. Upon choosing this archetype mm-hmm. at third level, uh, you learn to control the lycanthropo like lycanthropic like, curse. <laughs> Jeez, that should be easier to say. Um, that now lives in your bo- uh, your blood. As a bonus action, you can transform into your hybrid form for up to an hour. You you can speak, use equipment, and you wear armor in this form. You can revert to your normal form uh, for earlier uh, as a bonus action. You automatically revert to your normal form when you fall unconscious, uh, drop to zero hit points, or die. Uh, this feature replaces the rules of lycanthropy uh, within the monster manual. Once you use this feature, you must finish a short or long rest before you can use it again. Mm-hmm. It, this is just you get a lot of like, yeah, you get a lot of cool like abilities with it, uh, better attack like melee damage rolls, uh, resistance to uh, bludgeoning, piercing, slashing from non-magical stuff, and when you're not wearing heavy armor, plus one bonus to AC. Uh, predatory strikes you can apply your crimson right damage to your unarmed strikes as a single weapon. Uh, you can use dex or strength as your uh, basis for your unarmed strikes uh, and you can make an unarmed strike as a bonus action uh, and deals 1d6 slashing then 1d8 slashing at 11th level then finally sort of the main drawback of uh, the werewolf the bloodlust feature if you begin your turn with no more than half your maximum hit points you must succeed on a dc8 wisdom saving throw or move directly towards the nearest creature uh, to you and use your attack action against that creature. You can choose whether or not to use your extra attack feature for this frenzied attack if there is more than one possible target. Uh, roll to randomly determine the target, uh, then regain control for the remainder of your turn. If you're under the effects that prevent you from concentrating, like a barbarian rage, uh, you automatically fail the saving throw. So yeah, you have so, you have to. The DC eight is not hard to beat, but there will be you will you you're beginning your turn, and if you're at less than max, which you know isn't hard to get down to, um, mm-hmm. you're rolling every single turn, and that can you know it only takes a natural one or you know one poor roll for you to just <laughs> just screw everything up, and. Uh, mm-hmm. It might, it, you know, because obviously it, it might not be your friends, but it very well might be. <laughs> you might. It might be that hostage that you're trying to save. Yeah, it might be. It's it's likely going to be not good, <laughs> especially if you mm-hmm. wanted to do something with your action. Like maybe you wanted to use a blood curse or something. It's like, no, you can't, you can't mm-hmm. use that. You can't do that. Yeah. Sorry. Another thing, you don't have proficiency in wisdom saving throws. You nope. have dexterity and intelligence, so this is very much going to rely on you having a high wisdom score to mitigate that as much as possible. Yeah, which I don't see you having because you got you probably want an attack. You probably want a decent attack stat. Your your um your constitution should be good, 
and you want your intelligence to get maybe less with this subclass, your intelligence comes into play less. Um, but still, those are th- those are three attributes that are demanding a like are demanding at least a plus one um, at mm-hmm. the very at the very minimum. Um, yeah, I would say probably you should have at least a plus two. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, some builds uh, uh, and to get wisdom in there might be kind of difficult. Yeah, there's always but, the resilient and... feat though. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on to the level 7 ability, you have Stalker's Prowess. At level 7, your speed increases by 10 feet. Uh, you also can add 10 feet to your long jump distance and 3 feet to your high jump distance. Uh, in addition, your hybrid form gains the improved Predatory Strikes feature, uh, which basically you get a plus 1 to attack rolls made with your unarmed strikes. This bonus increases by 1 at level 11 and 18. Uh, in addition, when you have a Crimson Rite activated while in your hybrid form, your unarmed strikes are considered magical for the purpose of overcoming resistance and immunity to non-magical attacks and damage. Nice. Yeah. Um, starting at 11th level, uh, you get advanced transformation. You uh, learn to unleash and control more of the beasts within. You can use your hybrid transformation feature twice, ex- regaining all expended uses when you finish a short or long rest. Um, in addition, your hybrid form gains the Lycan Regeneration feature, which is, at the start of each of your turns, before you roll Bloodlust, you regain uh, hit points equal to 1 plus your Constitution modifier if you have at least um, uh, 1 hit point and no more than half uh, of your hit points left. So you basically have something that's going to keep you at about half. Um, it's not a lot, but it's, mm-hmm. you know, anything that's regenerating you without you doesn't talk, cost anything of you, for you to do. It's pretty sweet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, moving on to level 15, we have uh, the Brand of the uh, Voracious. Yeah, Brand of the Voracious. So many weird words in this that you're not used to reading. Uh, yeah. You have, you have advantage on your Wisdom saving throws to maintain control of your Bloodlust in hybrid form. In addition, your Brand of Castigation now binds your foe to your hung. To your, hung, to your hunter's thirst for savagery. Uh, well, in your hybrid form, your attacks have advantage on a creature branded by you. So, I guess it, it's kind of nice that 15th level, you just naturally get advantage on those wisdom saving throws. And you get advantage on those, naturally get advantage on those attacks, because brand of castigation is not hard to, to get on somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's literally just, I want to kill you, and yeah, you, you're now marked. Yeah. That's pretty mm-hmm. sweet. Um, yeah, hybrid transformation get... mastery at 18th level. I was I I could sense the future, Ryan. I can tell what you were gonna say. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> yes. Tell me at 18th about it. level, at 18th level, you wrestled your inner predator and mastered it. You can use your hybrid transformation an unlimited number of times, and your hybrid form can now last indefinitely. You're a werewolf or whatever all the time. <laughs> You gain the Blood Curse of the Howl for your Blood Maledict feature. Uh, uh, you This does not count up against the number of blood your Blood Curse is known. We already went over the Blood the Curse of the Howl, so mm-hmm. you can just go, oh, 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 and people are scared. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's sweet. Neat. Yeah. I think out of all of them, this one really does tie together a thought that we were talking about earlier of 
the blood hunter is doing their training all throughout their experience, like all throughout their adventuring days. Mm-hmm. Like, just this one really like puts the, I don't know what the saying is anymore. Uh, puts the last nail in the coffin, I guess of it's like, you're a blood hunter. Sure. At like at level one, you are technically classified as a blood hunter, but mm-hmm. I don't see you as a blood hunter until you get to some of these higher levels and like you start having control over what you can do. Yeah, I really like the story of the Blood Hunter in general, especially this is like this sort of focuses in on it as like mm-hmm. these dark powers that you sort of have and you have to wrestle with and get gain control over. Very mm-hmm. a story that's been done before but is is interesting every time, you know. Mhm. So I guess overall thoughts on the Order of the Lycan? Yeah, I really like the uh, Again, with like that sort of going off that story thing and stuff, I really like how um, you basically get this form, and then you just have these uh, like a special features that you get basically get tacked on to it, um, like the improved mm-hmm. predatory strikes and the like and regener- regeneration. Uh, it's very fun. I uh, mm-hmm. um, anything that just sort of I'm a big fan of anything that gives you like an ability to use, and then your later abilities just modify that ability. Um, and make it make it better. Uh, I I'm, I like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm a yeah. big fan of this. Uh, also, mm-hmm. we have a blood hunter of uh, the lichen um, currently in our party, and now I know all of her tricks. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yes. Uh, yeah, I agree. Order of the lichen, very very cool. I love that. Just I love that building on top of previous abilities. And none of the things that you get make those previous gains pointless. Yeah. It's like, everything feels like it's adding and not just mitigating old problems. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, I guess now, sort of talking about the Blood Hunter as a whole, my, what are some, like, what, is, what are your overall thoughts on the Blood Hunter? Um, it's a fun class... I- I just I've never played it. I don't know how it it works. I don't. Um, so I don't. I think it'd be really fun to try out. I I have a hard time like being that edgy for that long would be hard for me. It's <laughs> all. <So laughs> that's that's. I, I'm not like I don't have any like hardcore issues with this. It's just like for me personally, like being a dark brooding kind of character for that long would be difficult for me. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, fair enough. Because uh, yeah. I'm just not a I'm not a dark converting person. <laughs> mm-hmm. But no, I really like this. It'd be all abilities sort of work in this very thematic way that like nothing feels out of place. I think it, which is it is good. It, it despite the fact that it was made by by Matthew Mercer, who who I mean he's he's a great like content creator and whatnot is not, but still not officially part of wizards. And this is not an official wizards class, not wizard class, wizards of the coast class, D and D approved. Um, it still feels like it has like, like I, w- I would have no problem treating this as a, uh, a legit class in my game. But that's why mm-hmm. we added, that's why we added it on the list. Cause like neither of us really have any problem saying, yeah, it's like, yeah, this is a legit class. It's, doesn't it's not something we just pulled off of D wiki or something 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sam? Yeah. yeah, I would have to agree. My, I really like the Blood Hunter. It's mm-hmm. really interesting class, very thematic, and definitely all the sub like all the subclasses, like they all fit their own niche very well. It doesn't feel like any of them overlap with something that is already in D anD. d At least, not that I can really think of. Um, like, definitely, uh, I have to agree that it's it would be kind of hard to play the my dark brooding character the entire time. But then again, you know that's also sort of what the rogue does. So maybe if you like playing rogue, you might also like playing blood hunter. Yeah. Um, Something I yeah. kind of like to think about is how would you, I guess, how would you try to implement a blood hunter group into you one of your worlds? Um, um, yeah, I I would definitely leave a lot of it up to the player. I don't think I would make, unless I had somebody who was playing a blood hunter, I would leave the orders kind of out of it. Like I might, if I really am like, oh, I really like blood hunters, maybe my player will buy it, but I don't think so. It's like sort of just writing down it's like here is these people like they they do this and just leaving it at that if a player's pl- mm-hmm. uh, is is in it it's like i would just leave a lot of that up to the player i'd be like okay you're part of this order what kind of traditions do they have what what kind of things did you have to do did you have to like if you're an order of the like and did was there like after your training or whatever or was like coming to a completion um or you're, you know your the first part of your training or whatever did you get like were you forced to be bitten and infected with lycanthropy or whatever, you know, at third level when you get this, uh, the order of the lichen mm-hmm. or were you born with it? Is it the beast within? And they just take people with, take people in and whatnot. Um, if it's like order the mutant, were you subjected to some like awful alchem- alchemical trials that not ever, most people do not survive and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Um, uh, but I would leave it a lot up to the player because this is what defines their blood hunter kind of as a person is there is their group hands-on do they want them to be part of the story or do they are they hands-off do they just is there just a couple people and they go they go do their own thing but they you know like uh in the witcher they come back to care Morhen at the end of the you know for the winter time to just sort of wait it out um mm-hmm. it, all that stuff is something i would leave mostly under the player's purview um but like let them let them build it out and then Take whatever they built and then use it, <laughs> and just and mm-hmm. not and don't just let it lie. That's that's yeah. what I got. Yeah, uh, I guess to talk a little bit about some of the different uses I've seen done. Um, so I guess going throwing back to the first campaign that I officially ran, I had one of our one of our players is playing a Order of the Ghost Slayer. Yeah, and we didn't we didn't talk all too much, but how he wanted to do it was, um essentially being informa- like information about the order passed on from previous generations. So basically, visions of the dead would, like visions of past dead ghost slayers would uh, show him like the different ways of the ghost slayer, which you know, is kind of interesting. Yeah, very um, cool. I've seen in a campaign that I was playing in for a while, my... One of the players was a Order of the Lycan, uh, but how they got that information was through, again, dreams and visions, and it was sort of like this blood demon who would come to them and uh, 
teach them about this old forgotten like forbidden thing again going along with the usual blood hunter esoteric forgotten forbidden stuff uh and then sort of the one last way that i'm trying to implement it into a world now is my having uh blood hunters sort of run the my like the night watch of certain cities where like monster and demon activity might be more active it's like they're not officially part of a government civilization they're sort of like a third party thing but people respect them because you know well it's more respect and fear because they are so different they are monsters killing monsters yeah it's like yeah my i guess basically the point i'm trying to get at is my dms have fun with a lot of the different stuff that you have but also do talk with your players on how like if they are playing a blood hunter talk with them about how they got to that point but are they part of some organization are they a dying breed of uh, like just a dying breed of like you know doing this doing this thing uh is blood hunters common are they feared are they revered you know just that whole thing yeah so yeah yeah um i uh, believe i have a dice to roll Oh, what, I think we're gonna going to uh, do characters next week. Actually, do we want to roll? Do we want to roll anyways and tease the audience with what what what's going to come after that or what? Um, nah. Next week, my uh, Gabe and I have planned that we will. Uh, this, so this is going to be right at the halfway point. We have just finished our my uh, seventh class that we're going over. We have seven more after this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my uh, at. Next week for the halfway point, we are going to uh, spend some time to talk about the uh, character creation process, and we're both going to create some characters. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to only we're we're going to use the characters we talked about, so we're not going to we won't mm-hmm. see any you know characters from classes that we have yet to discuss. So you know, yep, paladins, rangers, barbarians, rogues, sorcerers, clerics, and blood hunters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, all right. I guess, thank you all for listening. Um, and if you if you like what you heard, then please rate, review on whatever podcast thing that you're listening to us through, and share us with some of your friends. And Gabe, do we have any updates on social media stuff? Oh, I've yet to do anything with that because I'm slow. So I'll probably okay. I'll probably figure that out. I'll probably tack that on at the end of this recording, and uh, you'll hear it in about. Now. Hi, everybody. It's Gabe again, uh, here to give you the gist on our social media front. Um, first off, if you want to just send us a message on email, you know, say, hey, tell us what we're doing right, tell us what we're doing wrong, just chat, I guess. Um, you can find us on Basements, uh, or rather, a Basement Lizards at protonmail.com that is basement lizards proton at protonmail.com uh, if you want to find us on facebook you can just search uh basements n lizards uh we the the picture and stuff looks the same as all of our other you know podcast little icons the little uh d20 with the 
green lizard behind it. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, you can just look uh, look us up uh, at excuse me at BNL Pod. That is at BNL Pod. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thank you.